So my thought of the day is Ephesians 2.22 says that the Jews and Gentiles are together being built into a dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And this might seem like such an incredibly simple observation, but that is corporate. That is corporate. What God is doing in human history is he's not just making individuals who are temples of the Holy Spirit for personal relationship with God. He is actually building a people with whom he can dwell, with whom he can live, with whom he can abide. A people. It's a corporate word. And this is, this is a big deal. So one of the questions I have is like, what did COVID teach people? And I'm looking around and I'm going, you know what? I th- one of the things I think COVID taught people? First, we stayed away from each other for a few weeks. Then we were like, oh crap, what are we going to do? Then we did the live streaming thing. But one of the things that was internalized was that I don't need to physically go over there. And then, little by little, what you learn is, you know what? I still have a relationship with Jesus, even though I haven't been to church in six months. I'm good. I'm fine. I don't. What do I even need the, need the church for anyway? It's kind of nice having a weekend. It's kind of nice. It's really nice, actually. Also, I get 10% more of my income to just spend, and times are tight. And I don't miss the drama. I don't miss the drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we kind of forget the benefits. We forget the power of the presence of the Lord. When you come into the house of the Lord, you sing and pray and listen to a word that lifts your spirit up and puts your attention and focus on him. You forget how it feels to have the spirit flow through you as you serve the others around you, how it stirs your spirit up and renews you when you operate in your calling. And maybe you even start to internalize beliefs like, you know, the further, the longer you're away from them, the more you feel justified in that decision to leave them. I remember I took a sabbatical away from all engagement with church stuff to try to heal up my heart. Did I heal up my heart? Well, wounds came out that needed to be healed. I'm not so sure they got healed. One of the things was that it was harder than anything just to brave the waters of coming back into the church because in the absence of the real church, what emerged inside of me was my wounds from the church that then colored my perception of those people around me. I was no longer seeing them. I was no longer seeing them clearly because in their absence, my memory, distorted by my feelings, was painting a picture of them that was not true. And I suspect that I'm not the only person for, for whom that happens. Here's the deal. There's a place where God's commanded his blessing, and it's the place where brethren dwell in unity. Or let me translate. God's spirit flows powerfully and uniquely where two or three are gathered. All right? So there's something special. God's great dream is not individuals who camp in the woods and pray to him with their butt in the air. God's dream is not me at the beach watching sunrise feeling his love. That's amazing and real. But God's great dream is actually a a family where he's a father. It's a people with whom he can abide. It's a dwelling, Ephesians 2.22, where he lives by his spirit. One day he says to me, I'm reading Ephesians 4, talking about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, building up the saints for the work of ministry until we all become mature and every single person's doing its work and we will arrive at the full measure of the stature of Christ. And he says to me, do you believe verse 13? And I was like, what? What do you mean, do I believe verse 13? And he's like, do you actually think it's going to happen? And I realized, no, of course not. Every person I've ever met has been broken. Every church I've ever belonged to has split. True story. No, I don't believe we're going to get there. And he says, I do. And he just addressed that my experience has a louder voice in my belief system than his word. 
It's not that way with him, by the way. My experience hasn't changed his beliefs. And he is on a mission. And the ones who are hearing his voice are hearing, come and die for my church. Come and lay your life down for my church. Second Corinthians, death at work in me so that life can be at work in you. Colossians, I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's suffering for the sake of his body, the church. What he said to Peter after the denials, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Sometimes what we go through teaches us beliefs that God doesn't believe or agree with and they don't match what's in his book. And they don't match the voice of the Savior who says, follow me, lay your life down for my people. So as you have opportunity, Galatians says, do good to everyone and especially to the household of faith. Hebrews, don't neglect the gathering together as some are in the habit of doing but gather together even the more, all the more often to encourage and exhort each other and spur one another on in love because the day is fast approaching and you have a calling. Or 1 Corinthians, which clearly says every single one of us has a unique spiritual gift for the common good. Even your spiritual gifts don't belong to you. They belong to the body. Yes, the individual is a temple of the Holy Spirit, but the individual, your calling, is, is intimately connected to the church. Yeah, but Tim, church as it's practiced in the United States isn't biblical. I see this wrong, and I see that wrong, and I see this wrong. Great. You might be right. Not only might you be right, but you might be better at fixing the problem than me. But unless you're giving your life, sacrificing blood, sweat, tears, time, energy, with your one precious life, the most precious thing you have is your soul, your life, your time, your brief window on planet Earth. Unless you're sacrificing that for that body, your criticisms are nothing but justifications of your lack of fulfilling the reason you're on planet Earth. Oh, that you would hear the voice of the shepherd saying, lay your life down for my church. Lay your life down for my church. <sighs> Boy, brothers and sisters, it's the bride of Jesus. It's the bride of Jesus. It's the bride of Jesus. Yeah, but Tim, you don't know what they said to me. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they hurt me. You don't know how they rejected me. You don't know how they cut me out. You don't know what they, how they did. You don't understand what they did to my kids, what they did to my wife, what they did to my family, what they did to my friends. I hear you loud and clear. And you go, well, are you saying, can it, can it be a house church? That, sure, who cares what it is? Can, can it can it be like a Bible study in my living room? Does it have to be in a building? I don't look, dude. You know I don't care what it looks like. Like it needs to have the Bible. It needs to have the sacraments. There needs to be some clear doctrinal content in line with historic orthodoxy. But it's got to be Jesus and the Spirit and the Father. Okay, it's got to be Christian. It's got to be real. And you go well, it's saving me a lot of pain. You might be right. At every funeral I've ever been to, I wished I could go back and load myself up with a few extra griefs. Because you see the blessing and value of the person. And you go, you know what? If I never knew him, I wouldn't be sad. But ironically, I wish I could go back and get to know him better because now I realize the short amount of time we had with him. I think it's going to be like that on the other side of eternity. When we enter into that kingdom and all the sufferings of this life, we know for a fact aren't worth comparing with the glory that's being revealed in, in that moment. We'll wish we could come back and pay a higher price tag. We will to see this thing done better in our life. We won't wish that we had done a better job of pursuing comfort and ease and you know, safety nets and more walls and get away from anyone who might cause us stress. That's not what we'll wish. 
we will wish that our heart had been more open to the process of being poured out like a drink offering on the altar of God for the sake of the saints, that they might be found, saved, built up, matured, and the message passed on to the next generation who will carry the torch when we're gone. That's what we will wish. We will wish that.